How you doing? Happy Sunday. Hey, um, actually, <clears throat> today is called Pentecost Sunday. And so um, some churches will recognize it, some celebrate it, but it's worth mentioning because um, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it was an actual feast where the Jewish people would come together for this uh, Pentecost feast that would happen 50 days after Passover. So for us, it's always um, seven weeks after Easter. But it's significant because that's the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out uh, in humanity, in the church. Um, we get to enjoy the fullness and empowering of the Holy Spirit because of what happened on that day of Pentecost, you know, 2,000 years ago. And so um, one thing that I know is important that we all need <clears throat> the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Is anybody aware of that? We all need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And, and I had a real cool experience last year. We were in Israel, and I got to go to the place in the temple. Some of the, the locations in Israel, they might say this is the general area or this could be where such and such happened, but there's only one place outside the temple where people would come. And so I got to stand there on the steps where thousands of people would have gathered when the Holy Spirit fell and, and Peter began to preach and 3,000 people came to Jesus. So it was very cool. But I just wanted to um, uh, pray. And uh, I just believe it's so important that we have a fresh, genuine outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our church. And, and we want it to be in a way that honors God. So I want to just pray for that. And those of you in the balcony, you agree with me when the Holy Spirit falls, you get it first. So, <laughs> God, thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you for your presence. And we thank you for many years ago when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. And so, Lord, I pray today that there would be a fresh empowering, that it would be a genuine outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives, not driven by emotion, not forced or faked, but from the heart of God to our world. And I pray for that outpouring of the Holy Spirit to happen today in this place, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, good. I'm just going to set my clock here, just in case the Holy Spirit falls and I don't pay attention to the clock. That happens, you know. Today, uh, I'm going to talk to you about finding your rhythm in a storm. Because this, a storm is a great metaphor to use for the problems we go through, the challenges we face, the battles, all kinds of phrases that we use it. But we're going to talk about a storm. And there's a lot of different kinds of storms. I'm sure everybody in this room, everybody in the sound of my voice has been through storms in your life. Relationship storms, uh, economic storms, health storms, emotional storms. And uh, there are even secret storms. And what I mean by that is you're going through something on the inside and nobody knows. Sometimes it's because you're very private, but sometimes it's just like you deal with it on the inside. On the outside, you look like you got it all going on and 
Like, this guy's never been in a storm his whole life. Look at him. But we all have. And people sometimes look at us and we, they get envious of, you know, the job we have or the car we drive or the kind of home we live in. And they go, oh, wouldn't it be great to be like them? But they don't know what you had to go through on the inside to get where you are on the outside. And so storms happen on the inside and, and on the outside in our life. And, um, you know, there can be strong currents in the ocean that is, are not visible on the outside. It's underneath. And so um, that's what we're going to talk about is uh, these storms in life. And it's an interesting thing um, in our culture, in our, in our youth culture, uh, a lot of times we use expressions today that are like, um, we use the extreme to describe it. You know, just like, um, he's like, oh, best day ever. And I know some people will post on Instagram, cutest baby ever. And then I watch to see if they say it again to anybody else, because I know mine actually is. Hashtag cutest grandbaby ever. <laughs> but we use these extremes. Oh, I'm burnt out. Really? Why? I had to work 10 hours yesterday. No, you're not burnt out. You just worked hard. <laughs> you don't get to claim burnout. But we use, sometimes I think our language intensifies the circumstances that we're going through. And, um, but there, without exaggeration, we live in a society where there is tremendous amount of stress and anxiety and fear. And there are, there's good reason for that because things going on in our world cause that, that fear. You know, there's um, constant rumors of war and terrorism. There's, there's global terrorism and, and uh, local terrorism and even... I've been reading about cyber terrorism. That's, wow, people can hack into your accounts. And I was told that the little camera on, the, on your laptop, they, somebody can hack in and see what you're doing. So I got a little, I got a little blinder right over here. <laughs> Maybe if somebody's hacking in, they should do it. This is the time to do it. I'm going to open it up. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> you need to be listening to this. So I went to sign on to a website with my account, and the website asked me, are you a robot? Now, I'm pretty sure it's a robot asking me if I'm a robot. And I'm thinking, well, not usually, but often. But they don't give you that option, so I just went with no. And apparently, my human no wasn't good enough for this robot, so they're like, okay, click the pictures that have a traffic signal. <laughs> and so I'm just thinking, do they have access to my driving record? Is that what's going on? They're getting a little sarcastic, and obviously I don't always know when there's a traffic signal I should be paying attention to. But we have these real circumstances in our world that affect us, and as a society, we carry this weight of anxiety and pressure and stress. Have you noticed that there's a lot of um, uh, therapy dogs and, and stress pets? 
That's, it's, it's a real thing. The airlines had to, like, come down a little hard on it because people were, like, having therapy monkeys and stress parrots. Nothing more stressful than sitting next to somebody who has a stress hamster or whatever, you know? It's like, great, please move me. But one time I was uh, getting on a plane and this lady just like pushes her way with all this intensity and, and fear like into the line to get into the plane. I was just like, lady, calm down. This, we're boarding a plane. It's not the Hunger Games. You know, we're all going to get on. We're all leaving together. We'll land together, hopefully. <laughs> but anyway, so storms happen. And I wanted to read this story with you from um, Matthew, the story of Jesus and the disciples in a storm. So that we can learn something from this story so that we can help navigate the storms of life. And um, so this is found in Matthew chapter 14. And what happened was, what happened was that the disciples and Jesus just fed 10 to 15,000 people with bread and fish when they only had a little bit. So a huge miracle. And so then in uh, Matthew 14, verse 22, it says, immediately after this, that's the, the bread and fish miracle, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he, went, uh, while he sent the people home. Now, this is um, Sea of Galilee Lake. And um, so it was, a, it was a, um, a distance. So after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. Meanwhile, they're in trouble. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Now, this is before we said the Holy Ghost. They just meant a, a scary ghost, a spirit, you know. They didn't know what it was. And so, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Do not be afraid. He said, take courage. I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. These disciples, they, this is one of the many times they said, you really are the Son of God. You'd think the first ten times would have it settled, but maybe you and I sometimes have to be reminded, you really are with me, Lord. You really are the Son of God, and, and I'm following you. But I, some of the observations I have about this story is that Jesus told them to go to the other side. And so he didn't say, go to the middle. I'll meet you there, and we'll see what your destiny is. He said, go to the other side. But sometimes we lose faith and we lose sight of what's going to happen because we don't, we don't remember what Jesus has told us. This is where you're going. And also, many times when we're in a storm, 
we don't recognize Jesus in the storm. It's difficult sometimes to see him in the storms that we're facing. And so fear takes a hold. We don't see clearly. And fear changes our perspective, changes our reactions. And they were panicking. Obviously, Peter didn't have his therapy dog there because he was freaking out. They were panicking. They were experienced, seasoned fishermen on that lake. And yet, they, this was an out-of-ordinary storm. And they were panicking. And so, I think it's interesting that Peter goes, if it's really you, now what do you think the next thing would be? Tell the waves to stop, calm this thing down, get me out of here, whatever it would be. So this is the most unreasonable. I, f- I feel like the disciples are going, okay, Peter, yeah, tell him to calm this thing down. And he's like, if it's really you, tell me to walk on the water. And they're like, what? Why don't you tell him to quiet the storm? Then we'll try all that. <laughs> But he's like, tell me to walk on the water. So he steps out and begins to to walk on the water. And it's interesting, then Peter is looking at Jesus, and he's walking in this miraculous place. And then it says he sees the waves. He had already seen the waves. But when he was looking at Jesus, he had this spiritual strength to move toward him in this miraculous realm, but then his attention went back to the storm and to the waves. Deep down, I think that we think if God is really with us, there will be no storms. Do I need to say that again? Sometimes I feel like we believe on the inside of us that if Jesus is really with us, we would not be having any storms. Sometimes we think if Jesus is really with us, we'll be happy, everything will go smooth, and that's how you know he's got his hand on your life. But that throws us off because he is with us in the storm. Jesus was with them. He knew that they were in trouble when he was up there praying, so he went toward them. And in the middle of the scariest moment, he's there. And I don't know what, which storm you might be identifying with today, but maybe it's a relational storm or economic storm, um, whatever it might be. Jesus is in the midst of your storm. He is with you. And you will find courage and strength in him. So to find rhythm in the storm, first of all, number one, focus on Jesus. See, Peter was looking at Jesus. And then when he focused on the waves, he began to sink. So first of all, I've never begun to sink. I just would sink. You know, so that's even a little bit of a miracle, too, if he just started going down like an elevator. I mean, that's pretty impressive. But listen, Jesus didn't change. The storm didn't change. His focus changed. He turned his focus from Jesus back to the storm, and that's when he started going down. So um, we are to look to Jesus in the middle of our situation. The disciples' problem, their problem was water. And guess what? Jesus was walking on their problem. So you have an economic problem. Jesus is bigger than your economic problem. He has defeated that. His name is greater than that problem. You have a health problem. Jesus is walking on sickness and disease. 
through the blood of Jesus Christ, by his wounds we are healed. So he is walking on our problem. So you can either focus on the problem or focus on him. And listen, we're well aware of that you can look at many things at once, but you can't focus on but only one thing. So when he's, we're saying focus on Jesus, lock in to him. Don't be distracted. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us to, in verse 1, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You see, he tells us to, to fix our attention, focus our attention on Jesus. What is it that captures your attention? If you think about the storm that you might be going through, what has captured your attention? Where is your focus? You know, you're struggling with the problems, but you're having difficulty looking at Jesus. But it says, fix your eyes, fix your heart. Look for him. And what that means is pursue him. Pray to him. Look for him in, in the word. Worship him. As they did when Peter got back in the boat and the disciples realized what happened. They all worshiped him together. Be around people who help you focus on Jesus. You know, you can focus on the human flaws of church leadership, broken human beings who go to church, things that people say that may be rude or don't make sense. But, or you can focus on the presence of God when we come together. Not any one Christian speaks for all Christians. So don't focus on that stupid thing you heard or somebody said to you. <laughs> Especially if I said it, don't focus on that. Focus on Jesus. Because if you focus on the storm, we lose our confidence, we lose our courage, we lose our rhythm of faith. One of the songs that Whitney Houston sang that is one of my favorites is called I Look to You. It's the best song ever. <laughs> but but the, I love the lyrics of this song because she's singing. I look to you. I, I feel like the anointing of the Holy Spirit when I'm listening to this song. I look to you. I look to you. And then I love this part where it says, and when melodies are gone, in you I hear a song. I look to you. I think in storms we lose that song of faith. We lose that song of intimacy and confidence. And that when we look to him, we find that song again. We find that melody again that gives us, puts us back in that rhythm of faith. Go ahead and give God praise if that's making sense to you. I think we need to remember who Jesus is. Remember that he is the son of the living God. He is the Messiah. He is the king of kings. He is the one whose name is above every name. We need to look at God with that holy reverence. When Jesus comes into the situation, it's not, oh, good, here's Jesus. But it's Jesus. Oh, God. You know, we have to give holiness and reverence to the name of our God. You know, one of the Ten Commandments says, don't use the name of the Lord in vain or carelessly. 
They were so careful to reverence the name of God. And we, we throw it around today just to fit in whatever circumstance we happen to be in. But the name of God is holy. You know, to this day, Orthodox Jews, when they write the word God, they write it like this, G-D. They don't spell it all the way out because they don't want to risk using the name vainly. Maybe you've heard of the term Yahweh as a name for God. And how that originated was taking the name Jehovah and taking just the initials because they didn't want to speak his name carelessly and they put it just the initials Yahweh. And the reason I'm saying that is just because of the reverence people had for the name. Holly was telling me that in her study she found that when scribes were writing what we would call the Old Testament, the Torah, when they wrote the name God, they would take that pen and throw it away after they wrote the name God or the quill, for those of you who are paying attention. Because once they've written the name, no other word is worthy in their mind to be written. So there's something powerful about the holiness of the name of God. OMG. I mean, OM goodness. We look to Jesus because of his name, because of his presence, because of the promises. Secondly, to find your rhythm in a storm, focus on God's word. You know, the scripture tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. We have to learn to walk by faith and not by our senses. Because when you're in a storm, you can't trust your senses. You could be confused. You could be disoriented. Your emotions take over. And in Psalm 119, it tells us, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You can't, we need to have that written word of God with his promises and his personal direction to us to guide us so that we're not just tossed around. Because when you're emotional, your emotions tell you that you can trust people who you actually can't. When your emotions are leading, you can feel like people don't even like you who absolutely love you. You know, the emotions can just mix up everything. And it sends false signals to us. But the word of God is consistent. You know, I was told once about when you first become a pilot of a small plane and you're just learning to, to fly, they give you the, um, I forget the term they call it, but it's sort of like the uh, sunny weather um, pilot's license so that you can fly as long as you can see. So you can't fly at night, you can't fly when it's cloudy, you can't fly when there's a storm. You can only fly if you can see clearly, you can see the ground, you can see everything. And then as you learn more and you take another test, then you can be what's called an instrument rated pilot. And so that means you can fly anytime because you know how to read the dials, you know how to read the instruments. And so your emotions might be telling you, you're going straight down, pull up. But you look at the things, it goes, no, you're even. Go ahead, just keep going with the direction you're going. And we need some of that in our life to be instrument-rated believers. We get that instrument in the Word of God. 
Somebody say, I feel like Jesus has abandoned me, but no, the word says he will never leave me nor forsake me. So I know he's here. I know. I can't see him. I can't sense him. But my Bible tells me that he's with me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible tells us that God is a very present help in times of trouble. So it's so easy when we get into trouble, feel like, oh, we've disappointed him. We've grieved God. He's angry. He's probably not here. No, he's a very present help in times of trouble. Just by the way, Satan is also a very present option in times of trouble. Because just like God is there to be there with you, Satan is like, I got other choices. You know, if that's a little scary, how about this? You know, this, this could work. You could trust me. <laughs> Don't fall for that one. Sometimes I think we just, we need to get our emotions healthy. So before, almost before we can help somebody else, it's like, okay, let me calm down, take a deep breath, get focused on what the Word of God tells me. It's like in the, in the airplane when it says, if the oxygen mask drop down, put yours on first and then others. And that seems kind of weird if you have kids, but it's like, if you don't put yours on first, you're going to pass out and you can't help anybody. And so you do that first. So sometimes we just need to get, take a, take a breath. God is with me. I'm going the right direction. And then we can, we can uh, step out from there. And I want you to know that what I'm talking about specifically is the written word of God that brings faith to us. And often we, get, we could get caught up in a culture where we are always looking for, from somebody else to give us a personal prophetic word. You got a word? I got a word for you. Why don't you pray and see if you got a word for me? You know, that produces uh, Christians focusing on the wrong things. So you can't look outward for words. And you have to even really check and see the scriptural context, if it even makes sense the way many times we use it. But often on outpourings of God, I think one of the things that puts a lid on it is when we get distracted. One of the main things we're looking for is words. Because I have a word for you. Here's the word. Jesus has a word for you, and he wants you to go get it. <laughs> no, no, I, and then let me just say this is that I have received some prophetic words, a word of knowledge or a prophecy from a prophet or something that has been significant in my life. But usually how it works for me is that when I'm in a situation, I remember, oh, a couple of years ago, somebody said that. But I'm not following that prophecy. I'm not looking for another one. What's my next step? My next step is look to Jesus, look to the promises of God, and start walking in faith that direction. Number three is focus forward. You know, Jesus told them, go to the other side. And God has a plan for you and a purpose for you and has given you direction. He's equipped you for special skills and abilities, ways that he can use you don't focus on the pain of the past, the breakdowns, the failures of the past. Focus forward. You're focusing on Jesus. We're focusing on the promises of God's word, and we're focusing forward. 
Proverbs 3, 6 says, Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So we're looking forward. You see, in the middle of that storm, they are saying, we're going to die. We've heard stories of people who drowned that had bigger boats than us or that were more skilled than we are. They are panicking, but nobody remembered. He said, wait a minute, he said, go to the other side. Maybe that's his plan. Let's look forward, focus forward on where we are going. Be careful that you don't drown in shallow water. It seems like a strange idea to think about how you could drown in shallow water, especially after you've been through and done so many great things in deep waters. But sometimes when you're in a storm, you get weary, you get tired, you're not even sure how deep the water is. You're just struggling. But somehow, when you can see the shore, when you can see the goal, it, it drives you forward. And so we keep that clear in our mind. So don't stand at the graveside of a past lost, a failure, a hope, a dream. Don't spend your life mourning over this tombstone, but focus forward and say, God has something great for me. Jesus is not finished with me. He has a plan. I'm not going down here. I'm moving forward. So when you can't see in the storm, focus forward. And when the pain is blinding you, focus forward. And when you feel all alone, focus forward. Focus on Jesus because he is present and he's leading you to a place of victory. Does anybody believe that today? It's real easy for us to say, focus on Jesus. But you might be thinking, well, how do I do that exactly? We focus on him in our worship, in our yieldedness, in our reminding our own soul that we serve the King of Kings. We are a child of God. We are not abandoned. We're focusing on him, and you'll begin to see him in the middle of your storm. Thank you, God, for your presence here. I thank you for the Holy Spirit removing fear, breaking the chains of anxiety and weariness. Thank you that we can be in your presence and find that strength we need. Find that divine inspiration giving healing to our spiritual sight. We used to sing in church. Um, turn... Um, hold on just a second. I'm going to sing a song, and that's uh, not the key. <laughs> but listen just for a minute. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things 
of the world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's like turn your eyes to Jesus and the things that the storm brings dies away. God, I pray that you'd bring hope, you'd bring courage, you'd bring life to people in this room today in the mighty name of Jesus.